Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We will eat both your arms and then both your legs, and then we will eat your face right off your head. You will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Going down the street like a turd in the wind. I can do this all day. I'm This is Comic Cast on PodcastArena.com. Here's your geeks, John Lee and Michael Carroll. Welcome into issue 118 of Comic Cast. John Lee here without Michael Carroll. We do have David L. Ramon here sitting uh, with us. And David, say hi to the hey, people. Hey, what's that? What's that? What's that? Uh, and if you're, fi- if you're finding us for the first time, uh, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher. Google Play and on podcastarena.com backslash comiccast. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at John Snow. David here is at Gacho Dominguez. Okay. So, what's the backstory behind uh, your Twitter handle? Okay, so uh, Gacho is actually, and this is the thing too. If you ask, I guess, any Mexican person what Gacho means, you probably get like 50 different answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like something that we started saying in high school from one of my friends, uh, Victor, actually, that started saying it. And we kind of just ran with it. And it's kind of funny, too, because now uh, we see the word kind of take its own course. Uh-huh. And now uh, just re- probably a couple of years ago, we saw George Lopez starting to use the word a lot, too. And that's the thing, too. So I think his definition of the word is all different from the way we used it. Uh-huh. So I've been having that handle since forever and just kept it the same. So it's some high school business. Oh, OK, OK. <laughs> uh, give him a follow on Twitter if you guys are big comic book fans. I know David is a huge comic book per- person. Right now he's wearing a Deadpool, yeah. uh, Deadpool shirt. Uh, and uh, you also host Sports Kings on SB Nation. You oh, can yeah. hear that on uh, on in Houston. You can hear that on Sports Map ninety four point one Thursdays from seven to nine. Uh, so you do uh, you do a bunch of stuff. You like sports. You like comics. You like music. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I guess well rounded, you can say. Yeah. Uh, but the whole comic thing, actually, uh, when I was in college, uh, I was the manager for the Texas Southern basketball team. And it's not like I had a lot of downtime or anything because you really don't whenever you're working with a team. But for some reason, uh, comics was was like my, I guess, way out of the sports realm just a little bit. And it kind of started with, uh, I think it was Scarlet Spider. Uh, okay. But the Kane version, not the regular uh, version of Scarlet Spider, but the Kane, uh, whenever he moves to Houston and I got really into that and that really just opened me up to a whole bunch of other things. And now it's just every Wednesday you can find me at Bedrock. <laughs> Find oh, yeah? the next thing, yeah. So how many comics do you think you buy a week? 
It depends because there's sometimes where you kind of follow a series and kind of fall off of it just because maybe an arc just ended. So every week I at least buy a good three or four. And it depends, you oh, know, because wow. uh, every every other month some things come out where you have the, either the bi-monthly or just, you know, monthly as a self. But I say a good three or four. And sometimes I'm honestly looking to see what other things are out there, too, because uh, you don't just get tired of DC and Marvel. But at the same time, you kind of want to expand your horizon. So you start looking at the vertigo and image comics and mm-hmm. stuff like that and you just kind of you know peruse around a little bit and you try to find you know something that just looks good so i try to do that and that's the thing so maybe i have like three or four that i'm following and maybe buy that one random book that just looked cool by the cover and just you know try to maybe find an artist or something like that you know uh so i when i buy comic books i like to i like to wait until like the arc has ended and then okay. i'll buy like when they all get like bundled together, yeah, the graphic novel the volume. Yeah, know. I like the I like to do that because oh, I guess we're in the society where you have to binge everything. Yeah, and normally when I uh, travel, I'll buy I'll buy a bunch of comic books and I'll just read them on the plane. Uh, I haven't bought one in in quite some time. I think the last one I bought was Infinity War. Okay. I think I bought Infinity War and I read that sucker real fast. Like, oh, that, that and, thing. And that's the thing about comics, though, and why they have me coming every week. Just mm-hmm. because you read that last issue and then it just leaves you either on a cliffhanger or just so many unanswered questions. And it pisses you off, honestly, because like it, it leaves you on such a, a good either a good notice or maybe even a bad one to where you just need to know what happens and you still have a whole month away and the worst thing is too whenever they push back comics just like you know how they do in movies you mm-hmm. know whenever they push stuff back same thing happens in the comic book world where either they either want to work on something or maybe this one comic book is really feeding into maybe four or five other arcs or other stories and other comics so they have to wait till everything catches up or you know everything's a little bit different but i mean i'm still happy with it though because mm-hmm. it is leaves me coming back for more so yeah i'm a sucker pretty much uh and we might be suckers this weekend because uh venom is coming out and rotten tomatoes is not very kind <laughs> kind of venom right now i currently it's sitting at 34 percent um i've seen very like def- like different reviews for venom mm-hmm. uh the one of the guys that i really trust is uh charlie from emergency awesome uh, we I, I mentioned him a lot uh, on the podcast. Uh, he just did his review this morning, and he said uh, the 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 cast work the cast works together very well. The CG is done pretty well. The only thing that the only complaint he has is that the script is kind of bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've seen people on Twitter saying that this movie is like the worst thing in the world. Yeah. And I've, other people are saying this is. Somebody said, I think somebody said, this is the second best comic book movie this year, and which got people like, what the hell? <laughs> um, I, I'm on the fence. I'm kind of, I'm actually leaning towards going to watch, the, watching this on the, this weekend, um, just because I'm, during this, when I was growing up, the Spider-Man, uh, the Spider-Man uh, animated series, I yeah. thought Venom was awesome. I thought yeah. it was badass. Yeah. Uh, and then the whole uh, symbiote suit when uh, Spider-Man got it, I was like, "Oh, this is cool." And and, and when you're kids, you, the, the 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 evil parts of comic books kind of intrigue you, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And this kind of intrigued me, and and I'm I'm sitting here, I'm like, the reason why I'm leaning towards going is because I can't imagine this being worse than what Topher Grace gave us <laughs> uh, back in the mid two thousands. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, and I'm looking at this uh, article from Deadline, and it's saying that. It's gonna 
opened between sixty and sixty-five million dollars, which is actually pretty good. Yeah, you know, considering and, and, what it is. And that's the thing too. Sometimes we can, I guess, fall into the lines of how good a movie is, depending on how much it makes. Mm-hmm. But if you know, if you ask a hundred different people, you might get a hundred different answers. And I think that's going to be the gist of everything that I'm receiving right now. Uh, to me, I'm going to go, you know, go on a limb and go watch it, you know, just because I want to see how how it gets developed. Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure you won't get a, your natural opinion until you finally go see the mm-hmm. movie. Because just because, just like you said, you know, you think back uh, about the animated series. Uh, even, you know, in the early 90s, whenever Todd McFarlane was, you know, still drawing for Marvel. And you think about what he was doing for, you know, I guess at the time. Because to me, I think that's the one person and I, I'm kind of feeling for right now is because... I don't want this because even though I don't think he had that much to do with the actual movie itself, the the Venom character is just a representation of him. And honestly, you know, when you start thinking about, you know, down the road, because I know Spawn will be soon in the makings, I don't want it to be any kind of representation to towards Spawn. Mm-hmm. Just because it's, you know, big thing that Todd McFarley is doing. And I, that's what I'm going to go in. I'm going to go in with this, you know, open mind, just not really trying to gauge on what should Venom be doing. Because that's the thing, too. Everyone's have, going to have their own interpretation of anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't just, you know, bash somebody or bash a movie just because of the things I've been hearing from some people. It's just like you, how you said you have, like, certain people you follow. Uh, Umberto Gonzalez of Heroic Hollywood, mm-hmm. he kind of, you know, put out his, you know, opinion about it. He gave it a pass. And... I'm still going to go on the limb and go watch it. I, like, you know, like I just said, I'm a sucker for it. So I'm going to go see and how what's their adaption. And that's the thing, too. It's really hard to let's say that you are into the animated series or even the comics or what had not. You are going to have this, you know, idea of what it should be. But also remember that movies like, yeah, they can take bits and pieces from things. But it's not ever going to be exactly the same or what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just kind of have that open mind just to go in there and be like, okay, you know, this is how the interpretation of it. Because I, like we were saying before, you know, we started the podcast, the whole, you know, Donna Justice and Justice League, same thing. You're going to ask 100 people, you might get 100 different answers. But there's this little things that I keep watching about it. And, you know, I enjoy to, you know, enjoy it. Maybe Venom will be that same way. Well, maybe if I watch it for the first time in the theaters, I might not like it, but maybe if I see it on, you know, in the future on TNT or whatever channel it might be on being televised, maybe I might catch something of it. Maybe the Easter eggs that are in it, maybe, you know, make it that much better. So that, that's the thing to kind of look for. Just, you know, find the things that you might like about it rather than just bashing it right before you go into mm, it. Yeah, exactly. And it's not uh, when this movie was announced and then when they announced it, they're like, well, it's coming out next year. And I was like, wait. You just announced this. That means like, uh, and then they're like, Tom Tom Hardy's gonna play Venom, and it's gonna be released in October of 2018. Wait, where's your what? script? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, how how are you turning this around? And like, uh, I, I think it was. I'm being a, a little facetious. It wasn't exactly a year, but I think it was like some more like like maybe 16 to 18 months or whatever. I forget when it was announced, but it was a very quick turnaround. And usually these movies take about two years to make. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And you're kind of like. You already have a script, and you you have your lead Eddie. You have your Eddie Brock, and you're going to be releasing this in less than two years. Like, how are you doing this? But how do you also not enjoy that there are some things that they can keep under wraps for a good amount of time? Because that was the thing with 
I guess I, I was listening to, I believe it was maybe an episode or two episodes ago when you had the guest on and how you're saying when DC first, um, you know, stated that they're doing do Green Lantern and Cyborg and all these movies and they really put out too much that they can handle. Mm-hmm. And to be quite honest, I like the fact that they can kind of go underground and not let the you know whole public know that what their idea is and not putting out the information until boom, it's already a done deal. And we don't even have to, you know, contemplate Ooh, who can be the actor or what do you think they might do? Or, you know, every, all those answers will already be answered before you can even ask the question. And I'm totally for that. I remember, you know, I guess as a kid, maybe um, I'm pretty sure like in the 90s, that was already starting to be a thing where people all kind of tip other people off and kind of, you know, you have an idea of what's coming out. I totally love the fact that I can just see a commercial and that'll be the first thing I'll see about it or heard about it. And I kind of miss that a little bit because now in the day of, you know, the day and age of Internet and all this information that's out there, it's kind of hard to hide anything. Mm -hmm. So in that aspect, I'm totally fine with it. This surprised me. Like whenever they just drop a trailer out of nowhere and no one knows about it, I'm totally fine with that. But, you know, you're just going to have to back it up now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the problem is going to be, according to several people, is that the the writing seems a little rushed. Uh, and it, it kind of makes sense, especially if when they announced the movie about four, I think like I think it was sixteen months, uh, uh, sixteen months from when it's actually gonna hit hit theaters. I think it was like in the summer of uh, twenty seventeen is when they announced it, uh, and so like the writing, the script would have to have been done very very quickly. And with that, when you rush a movie, the script's gonna be kind of poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, is it? Do you think that this movie is going to do well enough to warrant a sequel? Because what it seems like is their plan is that they want to do three movies with Tom Hardy, and that's what they signed him on for. And if this movie does, if this movie does anywhere near seventy million dollars, I think it warrants a sequel domestically. Because proje- uh, the worldwide projection is close to one sixty between one sixty and one seventy five. Oh, wow. Yeah. So and the and the budget for the movie was a hundred million dollars reportedly. Hmm. So, in your opinion, would that warrant a sequel? If if this movie is as bad as... Uh, l- l- let me take it back. I For Donna Justice and for Justice League, I thought they were... They weren't as bad as the, what the critics said. Mm-hmm. But they weren't great. Yeah. Uh, I would say Wonder Woman and Man of Steel are the best two DC movies in this universe. Fair. Totally. Uh, and then I would probably put and then i would put donna justice and then i would put justice league they weren't if i would have to give it a percentage score for donna justice and for uh justice league oh suicide squad's the worst yeah uh (laughs) the 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 donna justice i would say would probably land around 60 percent for me i think justice league was a little better than donna justice justice league i'll probably 65 70 percent okay if if I go into this movie and I say, okay, that wasn't bad, I'll probably put a 65, 70 on it, then I think it warrants a sequel. For you, if you think that this movie is decent, do you think that it warrants a sequel? Or, or even if it's on the bad side. And that's the thing, too. If if Let's just say that it makes, because to me, 170 domestically or, I mean, worldwide, I think that seems very doable just because we kind of know that the markets in China and, you know, overseas, they do fairly well for movies like this. And this is just for opening weekend. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is for opening weekend. If it anywhere gets close to any of those numbers, of course. But at the same time, let's say, for example, that it makes the money, but doesn't really hit home for people. I'm totally down for a sequel if they're willing to look at the wrong things that they did and, you know, kind of go back and just kind of, you know, I guess spitfire with everybody and see what would be the best way going forward. Mm -hmm. Like, it's all about that if you can kind of make those changes to in order to make those movies better, because 
of course, Tom Hardy, he's going to be the cash cow. He's definitely a good actor. I mean, I enjoy because and that was another thing, too, about it. I'm not sure if you heard anybody, but uh, I've been hearing a lot that people don't like his accent in a movie. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I think it's more of his Eddie Brock. Like, it's very soft. But that's the thing, too. Like, how much do we actually know from just commercials? Because to me, that, that's not really a good representation mm. of, of like, a whole character. Just for example, like, when I ref- reference to Batman, I don't think Ben Affleck has never really got the best shot of being the best Batman because we haven't had so much character development because he's always smashed in with everybody else. So mm-hmm. he, you kind of get his emotions and everything he gets from other people, which mm-hmm. is Batman. We think about this guy who is either solo or maybe with the Robin, but mostly upon him, you know? I want that to be the same thing for Eddie Brock, though. I, I want to get the full Eddie Brock experience and kind of learn where he's coming from before I just put this, like, stigma on him right before I even see the movie. But, it, yeah. but ultimately, I, I think that if, if, you know, maybe if the movie's a miss for some people, but it makes the money, go ahead and do it again. But just as long as that you're in the right mindset of doing the rights, you know, righting your wrongs pretty much, if mm-hmm. you can kind of get that better. Yeah, I think uh, if it's if it's the script that's going to be the problem and if it's acted very well... Uh, it's it's I wouldn't say it's easy to fix, but I'd say it's 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 not it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, take your time, give give uh, the sequel a little room to breathe. Maybe give it two or three years in between, and make sure you have the writers and the directors down to where you can make a concise and more a better script. Uh, and and from all indications, it looks like Carnage might be the next. The, the sequel, yeah, and which I'm totally yeah. for. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't know how you make a a Venom sequel without making it rated R with Carnage in it. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's it surprised me when they dropped the PG-13 tag on it last week. And, and I think it surprised everybody. Like, oh, it's going to be a PG-13. And then people coming out, producers and, and, and the director coming out and saying, no, we intended to be PG-13. And I call bullshit on that <laughs> just because... <laughs> When they first when they described it, they were uh, when they just dropped the news of Venom. It was like on the heels of like Logan and Deadpool, yeah. and everyone was assuming that this was going to be a, a rated R movie. So uh, I'm a little disappointed it's not rated R. Um, I'm I'm hoping that we get an R tag for it when when they do Carnage because very hard to do without uh, do Carnage without pushing the limits. Mm-hmm. And and to do a Venom movie, you would have to get you have to get people that are even more out there than Venom itself because Venom in the comics and in uh, and when he debuted was a was a villain so this anti-hero we need to get somebody that's even worse than Venom so um I don't know I guess we'll see I think that I, I I think if I go watch it I'll be pleasantly surprised because of all these negative re- reviews out there and that's how I normally I am yeah. if it's if the reviews are really bad I go in and I'm like oh that's not that bad yeah and then when a, <laughs> uh, when a movie gets like 95 percent I go in and I'll go, it wasn't that great yeah. right I, I I'm always like kind of in the middle it's almost a blessing in disguise to get the bad rating so whenever someone goes in and kind of thinks to themselves that wasn't as bad as everyone's saying it is mm-hmm. sometimes it could be a blessing in disguise in certain cases but the whole rated R thing it irritates me that some some studios or whatever the case is, whoever is making a decision, they're just so reluctant of going that rated R route when it's proven already to be something of you know magnitude because it makes so much money and it ends up being the better. For example, what you said about Logan, it ended up being maybe the staple of the X-Men franchise. And I'm not saying just because of the rated R tag, but mm-hmm. it had a lot to do with it because we got to see 
Logan in his essence of what he really should and could have been. Mm-hmm. And the same thing for whenever you start thinking about Carnage. There's no Cletus Cassidy in a PG-13 movie. Mm-hmm. And if you decide to go that route, it's going to be really bland or look really weird. And that's whenever you're just going to start wasting money about that time because you're not really doing a character's justice. And if you can do a character justice in whatever realm that it is, whether it's PG-13 or rated R, you're going to have to do what that character is made to do if, if you want to make a good movie. Yeah, and uh, it, it, I, I'm guessing it's just because Sony... I mean, we, me and Michael talked about this the other the other day, but I think it's just because uh, Sony wants uh, sees that... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. PG-13 tag guys. We're going to make more money off of this uh, if we make it PG-13. Whereas, you know, Deadpool, Deadpool, if you made it a PG-13 movie, I'm sure you would have made a lot more money. Maybe you make twice as much as what you did as a rated R tag. But the movie wouldn't have been what it is, like a a, a critic. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a cult classic. I would say it was a, commercially, it was a big mm-hmm. hit. Uh, Deadpool and Deadpool Two. Uh, but if you do it and and with Logan, look, I'm glad that they 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 put a R tag on it because the previous two uh, Wolverine movies were just <laughs> crap. <laughs> It was it was pretty bad, and and they were like, "Oh, let's scrap this." And we saw De- what happened with Deadpool, and Fox was smart. Fox looked at what happened with Deadpool. They t- well, let me say this: Fox, what the only reason why Fox made a Deadpool movie is because they leaked yeah. the the footage. <laughs> yeah, and and if that didn't happen, if fans didn't were like, "Oh my god, we need this," then we probably never see Logan. Never, and I'm never. glad that uh, Ryan Reynolds leaked that footage. They, we got Deadpool, Deadpool two, got Logan. And I just wish that Sony kind of saw the same thing and was like, oh, let's do a rated R Venom movie. Uh, I actually thought that they gave Hugh Jackman, well, it is, at least did him justice too, because you got to see him, I guess, not just portray, well, portray a role that he's been doing for the last, you know, what, 16, 17 years. Mm-hmm. But also he was he was able to open up another realm into it and also make that not just the character greater, but make his acting abilities also a little bit more widespread. Because when you think of him, I think he's what, naturally like a... Um, what do you call it? Like he does stage shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like you know, one like Broadway type of actor. Mm-hmm. So he was actually was you know you got to see the rawness of him and him actually being able to say cuss words and you know be more violent with it. Because that's another thing too with X Men is that like sometimes when you see stuff and maybe you can kind of coexist this with you know whenever you see other superhero movies, 
you know, whenever you're fighting, especially let's say if a, a normal person walks in and tries to fight Wolverine, something's going to break, something's going to snap, <laughs> you're going to see some blood. And then it's, and that's the thing too about it is that like, wow, like all these fights look very either medi- mediocre or don't really look as realistic as they should look. Uh-huh. So, and that's, you know, and that's the things that people are just going to start complaining about just because of that unrealistic look. This, for example, with Batman, how like people are kind of complaining, wow, Batman definitely killed some people in that movie. Well, if Batman was real, if he hit someone in the face, it, yeah, he might accidentally kill some people. Like, yeah, we don't like talking about that actually because he doesn't really believe in that, but things are going to happen. Like, yeah, his, you know, if the Batmobile is hauling this other car and swings it from, you know, like from one side to the other side and the car starts flipping, yeah, someone got hurt and possibly broke something or maybe even death. And that was the things that people like to pick on, but also like, a lot of movies just miss out on that. Just mm-hmm. the realistic of some things. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what the MCU kind of avoids. Uh, there's not, I mean, obviously because because they're owned by Disney, you're not going to have uh, on-screen deaths, like, you know, brutality and that yeah. kind of thing. And uh, you kind of get, you know, it's a kind of a cookie-cutter kind of formula that MCU kind of follows. And, and to their credit, it's worked. So why venture away from it? It's so funny that, uh, I guess, to think in retrospect... For example, I remember uh, when I saw an article that Guardians of the Galaxy had the most killings, mm-hmm. and that was whenever uh, what, the um, the Nova Corps uh-huh. all exploded oh. whenever the ship was coming. But also, if you really think about it, the you know the Marvel Universe kind of like killed half the universe. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> so I guess you go. They got their ways of doing it. So it they did just, it all at once, <laughs> exactly right. So they tackled the situation without really having it come to mind, honestly. So, yeah. But I mean, it makes sense though. Like I guess when you're speaking of the the people that you're really trying to gauge to your movies and stuff, and honestly, it's all about making the money and not trying to make uh the younger crowd too you know uncomfortable or everything because at the end of the day they're trying to make their money sell the toys and do what they got to do so Mm. that's totally understandable so i just don't get mad at dc for tackling that issue in a in a a realistic manner is what i'm trying to say and uh uh, next uh, a quick little thing on the dark phoenix or dark phoenix the X-Men Dark Phoenix movie um it was weird because they released a trailer it said february 14th and then, like a day and a half later, they were like, "Oh no, we got to change the date to June 7th. <laughs> and everyone's like, "Wait, wait, what, what just happened?" <laughs> and uh, this is, uh, let's see, this is coming from uh, Simon Kinsberg, who is the I, I blue, he's the director for um, for the Dark Phoenix movie. And this is the quote: uh, Some of the trailers had coming soon on them, and some of them said February 14th. It was a date, February 14th. That we initially liked for the movie, but when we realized that we weren't going to have those visual effects ready to release it globally the way we wanted to, the Gambit date opened up because it wasn't going to be ready for the June 7th date. We looked at the date versus February 14th date. The studio did and we did. We felt like the June date was a bigger opportunity for us globally. More screens, more IMAX screens, a better chance to play in China where these movies have a massive following. What we found when we released the trailer was that 44, 45 million views of the trailer were in China alone. Specific for us, it is an opportunity to be a bigger movie day and date globally. What do you think about the, I guess... The comment? Yeah, the uh, or the I guess the, mo- the moving... Well, them coming out, putting the trailer out February 14th, and then a day and a half later, changing it to June 7th. Well, first of all, I want to see or want to know what trailer said coming soon because I, I don't think that was... Right? <laughs> I think that's a good way of trying to cover that up. But at the same time, 
I totally understand. And I really am not mad at, you know, people pushing movies back. As long as you just get it right. If you're able to just do the things that you need to do in order in that time to get it done, that that's fine. But I totally also understand the whole, uh, you know, releasing, you know, in China, but also having that ready. Cause, and this is the thing, too. I guess my other question is, what, I guess, digitally, what would be different versus here and versus over there? Like, I guess, because it made it seem like we're just making it, you know, I guess, done for that movie or that uh, version of the movie that's going to be played over there. So that I guess, you know, there's a couple like questions that I, I kind of have. But at the same time, I totally understand. But this is very X-Men like. Mm-hmm. Of them, though, <laughs> yes. Is that we can all kind of agree on because. I wasn't so satisfied with uh, the last movie, but at the same time, it was a perfect setup. And if you even go back to the comics, there was a time where Jean Grey, she had a little bit of time with the Phoenix before it turned into Dark Phoenix. So, of course, they kind of allude to that in the ending of the last movie. So I think in the realm of the time frame and everything, I think it's working all right. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think the massive reshoots that they had had to have this, you know, over the last couple of months, um, they have to reshoot big portions of the movie and and some some places said that they had to completely redo the ending of the movie so um then now the cg team has to go back and retouch and re-cgi the entire uh end of the movie and a a bunch of a a big chunk uh of the movie itself so uh, i and and i think uh, me and michael talked about this uh, on the last podcast we both said or i said this is probably why. Like this is, and now Simon Kin- Kinberg kind of confirmed why they're doing it because the visual effects aren't going to be ready um, for the uh, February fourteenth release date. And and Michael said, Michael kind of was like, "Well, the Gambit movie, we haven't had, we don't have a script. Yeah, we. Uh, the only thing is that uh, what's his name? Um, oh wow, yeah. Uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Channing Tatum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's tied to it, but it's not like it's official. So. June seventh for Gambit didn't make any sense unless it's like the most secret project in the world. It's good right? to know that that at least still is a thing, right? That people still acknowledge it, and for some reason, somewhere it still exists. <laughs> and I guess that's a good thing. But also, you know, is this one of those movies that's just always been in limbo, and maybe we'll see or hear something when people, you know, I guess make more, you know, mu- you know, hmm. I guess it's noise for it. I guess, mm-hmm. I guess, same uh, same thing with Deadpool, but. I just want them to get everything right because I think the X-Men series, they're very deserving just because, I mean, we, we're going to keep on going to the movie theaters to go see these movies mm-hmm. just because we have that faith in it. And now that, you know, of course, with the whole Disney, Fox and everything. And I mean, I'm not saying that that had anything to do with it, but maybe it'll be in their best interest to maybe have some input from the other party, maybe. Uh, and, you know, just to get like a whole full aspect of what they can do better, mm-hmm. you know, because at the end of the day, yeah, everyone's trying to make money and do what they need to do. But also, like, we just want to see a really good X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, get to a, it, it can get to a point where once the Disney Fox deal gets done early to mid next year, Disney can step in and say, well, you guys haven't even started production. You haven't had, you don't have a script. Let's hold off on this until we can incorporate the X-Men into the MCU. And we like Channing Tatum as Gambit. We'll keep that. And we'll uh, going forward. We'll decide when we want to do this. And I do feel like the X-Men since they, since it's so close to, uh, since the dark Phoenix will come out and then uh, there's no like real, there's no real time to let them kind of phase away from the old X-Men 
uh, franchise. I'm calling this old, even though it's the movie still hasn't come out yet. But the new iteration of the X Men, I don't think we'll see for another five to seven years. Mm. I bet you they do Fantastic Four first. Oh wow! Okay. And then uh, maybe Hot they'll take. yeah. Well, because <laughs> I, I think that's the easiest thing to do because mm. uh, you tie the cosmic with with the Earth with the, with the Fantastic Four, and it's I think it's easy to kind of introduce. Mr. Fantastic in with the rest of the Avengers and and kind of tie them in and maybe that's how maybe they do what they did with uh, T'Challa and sure. they bring in uh, Mr. Fantastic that way and um, and and kind of slowly build that and then have their own movie after that. I think the possibilities are endless because of course the whole internals uh, you know thing a couple of weeks ago that they start talking about mm-hmm. and pretty much because I think DC was definitely thinking about doing a New Gods. And now Marvel's, you know, definitely has a step above them and they can definitely go internals right away, way quicker than DC can do new gods. That's really going to open up the realm for Marvel because not just, I mean, like you said, the whole cosmic everything, because we already been in the space with Guardians and uh, Thor. But I mean, opening up to more races of things and knowing more stories, but it, already including Thanos and the Kree and, and now the scrolls in the new uh, Captain Marvel movie. You leave the internals in this place where we kind of introduce some key parts of it already mm-hmm. or familiar faces that we can connect to it. So it's just it's another realm that they can just definitely bring in. OK, so we're already in space. We're doing our internals. Yeah. Why not? Let's do a Fantastic Four. Let's this. How are we going to bring the internals and these people are like these. Uh, I forget what they call the Cree and the. Uh, in the scrolls, I think they're called dignity divities or like whatever they're called, like the other races that he made other than the internals, but they can definitely cross that. And mm-hmm. yeah, and like you said, with the Fantastic Four and making it, you know, where Mr. Fantastic maybe finds something and, you know, we just go from there. And then I guess, you know, since because uh, there was a while where Marvel was wasn't really too interested in doing Fantastic Four movies because they didn't have the I mean, Fantastic Four uh, comics because they didn't have the property. So being able to open up that Pandora's box with Dr. Doom and different things like that. And that's a whole nother character we haven't really mentioned and no one really thinks about, but he has so much to do with a lot of the mm-hmm. Marvel Universe when it comes to comics. So, I mean, the possibilities are now going to be endless with this, basically. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dr. Doom actually might be, like, a perfect next next 10-year villain that that, that, that they, they just did with Thanos, right? Oh, yeah. Dr. Doom is is uh, arguably one of the best villains of all time oh, oh, Any yeah. any comic. And even, I mean, recently, if you were keeping up with anything that was going on in the comic world, if it wasn't for him, I mean, we wouldn't probably wouldn't have the Ultimate Universe and the regular Marvel Universe colliding together. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Battle World and everything that happened after that, like it, he was just a major player. And it makes it so much easier to think that he's so capable of doing all these things. And maybe this could be the answer while we're trying to you know, find maybe how can we connect the X-Men and Fantastic Four and all these characters mm-hmm. together. Uh, and then uh, Simon Kinberg also said, well, he's ta- he addressed the whole February 14th thing uh, on the end of the trailer. He said, in terms of the trailer release, uh, it certainly prob- probably shouldn't have said 214 on it. But the audience, and certainly I know this because I live online as much as anybody, people wanted to see something from the movie. And it was time to share something from the movie. So I would have still released the teaser when I released it. I just would have put coming soon on the end of it or... I would have put June 7th, though we hadn't made the decision at the time. So, I mean, he, he's like us, basically, right? Like, hmm. he wants there to be some type of thing that we can at least grasp and hold 
something to be tangible that we can see and grow some excitement for the mm-hmm. movie. Because let's just say if they did want to go with this February release date and we still haven't seen something, then we would be talking right now about how how come we haven't seen anything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to be honest, like he's very smart in that aspect of, yeah, give the people what they want. And we probably don't, you know, maybe they were just a day away from finding out that release date. But I mean, as soon as you can to get the the consensus of people to at least jump on board, the quicker the better. Yeah. And uh, I, I I really like the honesty uh, from Simon. Uh, uh, he basically kind of came out and was like, oh, it's, you know, we shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And uh, and he kind of said, well, we're delaying the movie because of massive reshoots and the CGI. The, well, yeah, I guess he didn't say the massive reshoots. He said the CGI team needs more time and we give them a few months. And, and, I, was, and I know it's you know, another movie that's just far down the way, but also I wonder if it has anything to do with maybe New Mutants later down the line and maybe mm-hmm. they might be doing something because that was pushed back massively too, even though we have you know, some footage of that and we kind of know the realm of what they're trying to do, like the mm-hmm. whole horror flick, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's just a good way of just trying to have people like to just grasp at it and just be able to kind of grow that a little bit. And so that's totally fine with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the New Mutants thing, I, that that sucker got pushed back like a year and a half. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> and in all reality, though, it could be, a, you know, a good thing because once this whole Marvel and, you know, Disney thing takes off, maybe they can do it in a way that, it makes way more sense and they don't have to hide things. Cause I think that was always the weird silver lining, how they couldn't mention these people, but you know, they had to use other characters and mm-hmm. stuff. So maybe it might be like we said earlier, blessing in disguise. For mm-hmm. um, next we're going to move on to DC. Uh, and uh, so Nicholas cage, there was a rumor back about 20 years ago that he was supposed to play the next Superman. Um, did you ever see that? Just by the way, did you ever get to see any the, of that? The photo? Yeah, the photo. And also, there was a documentary about it. it was was like, there? It was I didn't like, see that one. It's like maybe, it might be on YouTube still. It was like maybe 60, 70 minutes. It's pretty long and extensive and how far they went into that. But he was down. And I think those are really, you know, massive people that were down. And this is, like we said, pre internet. Uh-huh. So everything was kind of just kind of going by. And a lot of people didn't even know about it. And it's kind of just been hidden in the dark. But. This could have been something that we could have just looked back on and been like, wow, that was one of the other famously bad movies we just had in the past. But also it could have been something that we're missing out because there was also maybe Brainiac was going to be a part of that, which could have been this big, massive thing. Mm -hmm. Man, I can't imagine Nicolas Cage being Superman. Like, I just, I I don't know. Like, it's almost like, it's almost, I I don't know why, but it's almost like if you were to tell me Keanu Reeves was going to be Iron Man or something like that, I was like, I can't, I can't imagine it. Like, it's like, a, it's Nicolas Cage. It, it seems like, I mean, there's certain, there's some movies where I'm like, oh, okay, he's actually really good in this movie. Uh, but in, in other movies, I'm like, oh, man, he kind of plays the same weird. character over he's, and over. It's weird. He's he weird. Uh, face off the beginning of that, whenever uh-huh. he's like in a reverend outfit yeah. and, and spooking those little girls and stuff like that. Like, that's what I see. And then I'm not sure if he did a new movie called Mandy. And mm-hmm. it's it was something like I, I'm not sure if it came out in all theaters, but it was released not too long ago and it got bad reviews. But <laughs> the 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 best thing I heard from that is that if you want prime Nicolas Cage, this is the best prime Nicolas Cage movie that you can get. And really? I was like, oh, wow, super creeped out. I get it. Because one of the still photos, if you look up for the movie Mandy, is him and just blood all over his face with the most creeped Nicolas Cage face you can think of. And it's glorious. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm totally fine with creep Nicolas Cage if it's, like, in a good way. But him trying to, like, portray a, a certain character, though, that's the thing that I'm just, like, I'm hesitant about just because 
we know his mo and i know you're well i guess go, go on with what your question or what you're about to say because he was going to pr- try to portray a new character oh yeah yeah so he the the, uh, the hollywood reporter uh no no the guardian uh and this is from the hollywood reporter via the guardian uh he sat down with the guardian to promote the movie mandy and uh they they asked him about the superman thing and he said uh this is a quote he said oh i think my superman days are long gone uh he said with a little pat of his belly I, gain a little weight uh he said uh and then the interviewer hadley freeman suggested perhaps he could play a villain and wrote that cage's eyes lit up at the idea and cage goes on to say oh that would be great i'd be i'd make a great lex luthor Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hmm. And this is a thing, too, because <laughs> I, I want your opinion on this. Uh-huh. Because it took me a while to get used to, just, was it Jesse Innsberg? Uh, Eisenberg. Eisenberg. I, I don't like him. Okay. So I got your opinion. But... <laughs> Uh, like I was telling you before the podcast, we started doing it. Um, I saw the uh, Batman versus Superman on TNT, just, you know, on TV or whatever. And there's little things that I find about it that I keep on, you know, liking a little bit. Because, like, the whole thing with the Joker, right? People didn't like the new Joker because of the tats, the grill, and I guess a lot of his mannerisms and the way he was acting. But also, I try to put a character in what would he look like or feel like. In this current time, in this climate, and all the things that are going around with us, because it can never stay the same. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, all times are changing, and we can't really see characters in the same way. Uh, the way with, with Jesse's Lex Luthor is that, because I think the story was that I heard that he went in to maybe, I think, portray uh, the Riddler, maybe? Or something he kind of like felt like that, didn't he? Yeah, and, and I think that's what he originally went for, and they kind of went, you know, sideways and went, hey, how, how you think about Lex Luthor <laughs> type of thing? Because that's where the, the route they wanted to go. And in a way, I I felt that it was a different, you know, way of it. Because if you think about, like, for example, Superman, the animated series, we think about Lex Luthor as being this strong, statured man with strong voice and never really showing emotion of being frantic mm-hmm. or insane as mm-hmm. he went always calm and like kind of collected even though he's a complete psycho right mm-hmm. but in this one i got to feel more emotion from him and to maybe understand and feel that you know this is how it might be in this time just because he wanted to show more emotion just because that was his whole object just to for example like the whole uh thing with uh, superman how superman could have just easily killed him on the top of that building and then he you know drops a bomb shell that he has his mom and just that scene by itself made me realize, wow, I understand the wickedness and the reason why they wanted him to be very emotional just because you really grasp that scene a lot better is because he's a complete psycho. Like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was able to understand that realm of it after I saw that scene or seeing that scene again because I was on the, I was just like you. I didn't like that Lex Luthor. This wasn't the Lex Luthor I've seen, but then understand, like I said, the the climate and everything that was going on, and to understand that you had to have a whole lot of insanity to to really be doing what he was doing, especially in that movie. Whenever he had the bomb go off in the Capitol and do everything of that nature, so he had everything in the grasp of his hands, and I t- and I finally realized why he was acting so crazy 
But also, it was just something that we never seen before because of all the other prior ones, uh, prior Lex Luthers. We never got that from him. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, when they casted Jesse Eisenberg, I felt like I'm gonna, I am know what I'm going to get with him. Mm-hmm. Like, he kind of acts the same in almost every movie. Really frail and, like, not, you know, almost physically like, demanding. Yeah, like, kind of AD, he kind of has ADHD, kind of, yeah. like, looks around and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I can... I, I was like, but maybe he, maybe he'll take his acting up to another level. But we didn't get that, and I see what you're saying. I, I, I it just felt like the Riddler to me. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, no, no, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, man, if, if they cast him as a Riddler, I would have been completely fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought. I mean, he's a good actor in certain roles, like Zombieland. I was perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah. Zombieland totally. was perfect. The Social Network. I thought he played a perfect character in that one too. But I just. Like Lex Luthor is supposed to be that dominant, like that alpha male, like yeah. shoulder to shoulder with uh, both Bruce Wayne and and Clark Kent, like eye to eye. But Jesse Eisenberg is like what five foot eight, if that, <laughs> and like Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck are like six three and six five respectively. And like, like how does this this little kid? How is he supposed to be portraying the CEO of Luthor Corp or Lex Corp? Uh, and uh, how is he supposed to be like? I don't know. He just didn't seem menacing and, and, and dominating to me. But uh, I, I did, I did like the way that he did play with uh, Clark's mind. Yeah, uh, he kind of uh, manipulated him to basically fight Batman. Batman. Oh, oh so. yeah, and also like the little things too that we kind of took for granted. For example, there was a scene when they're back at LexCorp and they broken into there. I think it was LexCorp, and he shoves the candy inside that dude's mouth. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. was such a weird scene. At the, like I said at the time. What? Like, yeah, that was doing? weird. Yeah, really weird. <laughs> but he was that was his way of showing that dominance. The same way yeah. that whenever the uh whenever that one politician turns the jar and it says grandma's peach tea, and that's when you know like the checkmate. And that those little things right there kind of showed me this was his way of showing, like, yeah, when we think of Lex Luthor, we think about that dominance that he has alpha alpha male but that was just his versions of being able to checkmate everybody because at each and every you know turn that's what he did like even though he wasn't that same Lex Luthor we're used to he had his own ways of doing that yeah but I think you could have gotten that with somebody that looked the part right oh no no doubt yeah yeah I think he's definitely not everyone's first pick no no not for Lex Luthor and then somebody I think on Twitter told me no that's not Lex Luthor that's Lex Luthor Jr. I'm like huh and I went back to look at the IMDb. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. He played Lex Luthor. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I guess, you know, maybe it's one of those things that maybe it could be that we missed or they didn't mention or they failed to mention for a reason for later purposes. Yeah. But even if you go back, I, I still want to see these characters go. Because also remember, this is the first time we've seen Lex Luthor. And every other uh you know as- aspect of Lex Luthor that we have seen he's always like already you know to the his middle age and always you know kind of all knowing at that point this is still young Lex Luthor mm-hmm. so maybe he can still be or maybe if they decide to still keep on going the same route maybe this was just a jump off point because to me in this whole thing the only thing I can really pick on and kind of sad at is that we don't have the developed Batman 
you know, we have an older Batman that we really have no idea about. We don't know anything about his Robins, you know, just the little things about him that kind of irritate me because that's the person that we kind of want to know about. Mm -hmm. So he's this, you know, guy that is definitely not all knowing, but we kind of see him way higher than we will see a Lex Luthor or mm -hmm. even a Superman to some extent, just because of what he may have seen. Mm -hmm. And we're going off, you know, stuff that we don't even know, you know, and that's the one thing that kind of bothers me. But just seeing, you know, Jesse Eisenberg's, you know, version of Lex Luthor, it makes me believe that this is how he could have been and maybe grew up in a you know way that could lead into the Lex Luthor that we know later. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. Um, and it just it just seems weird. Like we get this version of Lex Luthor that is on the younger side. And then we look at Bruce Bruce Wayne and he's like <laughs> frail. He's like yeah. in his 50s. I'm like, yeah. like, I feel like you should kind of bring Lex Luthor's age up and kind of bring Bruce's age down and kind of have them meet in the middle. Because like, I, I feel like if you do it that way, you can kind of think about the future and yeah. kind of uh, kind of like so Lex, Lex will get up here. I'm doing hand motions on on the podcast. The Lex will rise <laughs> up. Both are, yeah. Yeah, Lex, as Lex is rising up, Batman is getting older. Superman, same thing. And you kind of had this similar arc. And I wish they would have done that. But I mean, I actually was a fan of Ben Affleck's portrayal of Batman. Mm -hmm. um, I just wish that he they made him a little younger. Yeah. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, Ben Affleck's in his 40s. I would have been fine with a 40 year old Batman, but from all indications that it was like a 50 almost 60 year old bruce wayne yeah so <laughs> i guess in in certain aspects we can see that this is where he's getting to the point where like i'm not sure if you've seen batman beyond but like he's getting to the point where he's just the guy behind the screen yeah and it looks like i remember in that scene with uh in justice league whenever he's taking off everything and you see all the scars and mm -hmm. everything perfect portrayal of like a comic book version i can't think uh uh was it Ross? Uh, I'll think of the name, but whenever he's taking off his suit, is this a really famous depiction of, of like that Superman of that Batman? I'm sorry, with scars on his back and just the over the years of being beat down and taking all the pain and anguish, mm -hmm. and we get that a little bit. But the thing that we're definitely missing out is all the filler, all the all the stuff that happens in the middle and growing with this Batman, and that's the thing that we weren't able to do. We had to see a Batman that has to share the screen with everybody else. And not really get his full interpretation of the character, and that's yeah. the only thing that's totally to me is unfair for Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah, and he's uh, it was originally signed on to do I think five movies uh, over the span of ten years or so, whatever it is. So it would have made more sense to maybe do even if he wasn't like you know young young Batman, at least uh, a Batman that was like you know uh, halfway through his career. I mean, he's been Batman for five to ten years. Uh, and then you can do an arc, and then I mean, Zack Snyder came out and said, "Yeah, he was going to kill Batman at the end of Ben Affleck's contract," which you know, I, it, it at five movies doesn't seem like a lot. Chris mm -hmm. Evans has been Captain America six times, yeah, so it, it it makes sense, right? Like it's it you think about it, you're like, well, we've only seen Chris Evans and and I guess Avengers. Avengers, uh, Avengers four will be the seventh time. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of like, well, that's not that much more than Chris Evans is run at uh, as uh, as Captain America. So uh, that that five movie arc makes sense mm -hmm. if you did it the way that I mean, if you were going to do it the way that Zack Snyder was going to do it. But that 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 might be the only thing I agree with Zack Snyder in, mm -hmm. in terms of like <laughs> and, his and vision. Was, and also, I just want to get your reaction too because do you remember whenever he finally like I guess when he left because of his daughter and, every, and all the other things that he was going through 
And, you know, of course, the movie gets releases and everyone wanted the the, the Zack Snyder cut. Mm-hmm. And I was like, after y'all bash this man and been hating everything he's doing, now y'all always way interested to know what what was his, you know, way of, you know, portraying this movie. So I don't blame him a lot because I kind of dig, you know, at first the initial reaction, the the route that he was going with the movie, like the dark, the gritty, the, the, the real aspect of it. At the same time, I was like, man, there was there was a couple of times where, you know, I guess as a group collectively, they kind of dropped the ball with a lot of things. Yeah. And I think that was one of them is that the character building with Batman and also not gauging where it's been Affleck because I'm totally fine with killing off the Batman. That's fine because, I mean, it's if you're trying to portray this real life version of him and, you you know, you're trying to set up other things. Totally fine. I mean, mm-hmm. let let Dick Grayson handle the mantle or whatever the case is. Or yeah, exactly. Move into like the Black Mirror of you know instead of in comics the Black Mirror and make that where Dick Grayson boot into the Batman suit just for a while until things got settled or whatever the case is. Or I mean, look into the future. Maybe, you know why not do a Batman Beyond or maybe look and go in that direction or maybe have a Robin come up or tell a Jason Todd story. Who knows? But at the same time. Just giving him the right amount of screen time and be letting us be able to be in that character for a little bit before he goes away. Mm. And that's the one thing we haven't got. So let's say if he does two more movies where maybe one movie might be a solo, man, we, we totally got gypped off. We don't have enough Batman and we didn't really g- be able to give him the time to mm-hmm. really grow with him. And and with him, it, and it's it's always I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. Now it looks like he's still like he's in. Like, have you seen him recently? I heard he's still working out, isn't he's he? He's jacked. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. I heard he's yeah. still doing the Batman training. Yeah, he's yeah, so, he's pretty wide, so he's definitely still able to do it. Yeah, so I I think what he's doing is uh, he's going from rehab, and then he's doing rehab, uh, and while he's in rehab, he's working out like a fiend, uh, and so he's his body is ready uh, uh, if they want him to do something. And there are rumors that they may do they may connect the, uh, the Batman movie to the DCEU. And they may have him as more of a flashback, like he's just sitting in his chair or something, and he's flashing back to the Batman noir, whatever they want to do, the younger version of him, and they want to tie it together, and which I'd be completely fine with. Yeah. And it just so they, I mean, I a big thing for me is continuity, yeah, which is course, why yeah. I hate the X Men universe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just take continuity and they shred it. Um, but if they do that. And then Ben Affleck returns for another Batman movie in the future. That's fine with me. Um, and and then continue the arc that Zack Snyder wanted to do with that character. But my problem is is not with Batman. My problem is with the way that Zack Snyder has done the DCEU, the mm-hmm. original version of it. Would uh, it now it's more of a Frankenstein, I guess, just because of what Josh Whedon did with uh with uh, with Justice Justice League, Man of Steel. I thought it was a pretty good starting point. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no good, solid movie. Gave a little bit of hope to the Superman character. Now, Donna Justice, that one, well, back to, back to Man of Steel, I, didn't not, I did not like that Superman killed Zod. Now, the Superman's one of those supposed to be above every, everything exactly. else. Oh, yeah. I know what he was going for. If he didn't kill Zod, he was going to kill that family. Also, I mean, crashing through all the buildings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a big thing. Everyone was like, Oh, Superman would have definitely lured Zod away from the exactly. You know, yeah, so yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, and then Donna Justice came, and then what did it do? It crashed into more buildings. <laughs> Although they did lure lure Doomsday away uh, to a more of a remote area, but uh, a couple of things I did not like that they released the trailer a year before the movie. 
I did not like that they showed Doomsday in the trailer. Yeah. And I did not like they, they showed Wonder Woman in the trailer. I wish, I think if they saved Wonder Woman for the movie, I would have been like, oh my God, like that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, no, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, and then when, they sh- when you show Doomsday 2, I wish that he looked, he was more, he was smarter because Doomsday is pretty smart. He can adapt. Yeah. That thing was like a Frankenstein created Frankenstein's monster, right? It was, and it was he like, listened to Lex at one aspect, right? Mm-hmm. Like he he tells him like you know he he's talking to him at you know right there because he's about to like because he's still in that like pod thing or whatever. And then you know he either sees Superman or something happens where he's like, oh, that's the guy. He's like, oh, okay, let me go fight him because I'm you know I'm not this monster that just be, you know, awakened and I definitely won't kill you. Uh-huh. Like that didn't make sense to me it's uh-huh. because I mean he just arrived like. He just became alive. And if he's this destructive monster, he's just going to look at Lex Luthor and go, oh, you're cool. Let me just, <laughs> yeah, fly away and beat up somebody else. Which yeah. Didn't, yeah, like I said, we, we can definitely pick on a lot of the things that really didn't make sense. But it's the small things. Like, yeah, not not having Wonder Woman in the trailer, us not knowing about Doomsday or the fight, just knowing about the fight that was going to happen towards the end. Like, mm-hmm. having the climax in every commercial, basically, yeah, right? Yeah, well, the, the title was Batman versus Superman, but then you look at the trailer, and um, like you said, uh, the climax was them fighting Doomsday. And then you're kind of like, well, why is it titled Batman vs. Superman when at the end of this trailer they're fighting against Doomsday? Yeah. Um, and then um, and then one of the biggest pet peeves, of, I think, about almost everybody that uh, – anybody that you talk to was the whole Martha thing. <laughs> and uh, this story came out recently, and it, it was from storyboard artist Jay Olivia – uh, he said, I thought, did they not understand what the whole point was? Um, and the whole reason why the movie starts with the death of Bruce's parents is to, is, is to set up the fact that that traumatic effect has basically given little Bruce and now adult Bruce PTSD. He's had it all his life. I mean, it's something that I even did in The Dark Knight Returns Part 1. I played up the fact that he has PTSD. If you notice, I do flashes. When the train goes uh, by overhead it's flashing on the ground and that gives him more flashes when his mom gets killed so at the early stage i was already playing the fact that you had a batman who has P- who has ptsd you know so zach was just setting up setting up and if you watch that film really without having any uh kind of uh, preconceived notions uh or whatnot or just waiting for the martha scene he sets it up so that way, at the end, when Batman's going to kill Superman, the Martha is a trigger to get Batman out of this kind of bloodlust vengeance. And I, I think for the most part, I think people got it. But it was <laughs> just way more funnier to make fun of it because of the whole understanding of the movie that we, you know, I think that's like a collective that a lot of people didn't agree with a lot of stuff. And that was just something easily to get it picked on. Mm-hmm. I think if you're, you know, someone who kept up with both of these characters and knew that little fact that they both, mo- both of their mothers have the same name, oh, really easy to catch and understand why that Batman would, you know, kind of be like, what? why'd you say that name? You know, like, you know, go into it. And we all understand that. And, that, and also, I think he put there, too, that. Uh, that Superman, well, Clark Kent, he's an investigative, you know, investigative reporter, so he already knew that Batman was Bruce Wayne, and of course, I mean, him digging, doing the things that he does in his job in his regular nine to five, he's going to know that, 
you know, and that was totally the reason why that he's going to say, save Martha instead of saving my mother, you know, like that was definitely going to be a trigger for him, for him to stop that. So I think when you think back at it, yeah, I kind of agree. Like, how did people not miss that or understand that? But it was just way easier to make fun of. Yeah. Right? I, I don't know. I see. So he's, he keeps saying that he, I mean, the way, the way that he's talking about this is like, yeah, you people missed it. And, and. I'm like, no, we didn't miss it. It was just stupid. Like, <laughs> right? It was just like, this is a, di- like, okay. So I, so this movie gets compared to Civil War a lot because you have Batman versus Superman. And then in Civil War, you have Iron Man versus Captain America. Now, the key difference is Civil War came, what, six, seven, eight years after Iron Man won and uh, uh, about, you know, six years after Captain America when they first meet. Mm-hmm. Or the Avengers movie, I guess maybe five years after, you had an entire half a decade to build up this relationship. Oh yeah, and 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 you see at the very beginning they have friction. Yeah, and that friction is compounding and it's getting there's more more and more fr- friction that builds up. And in the Avengers movie, they have something that they can come together, work towards against, uh, work against, and then uh, they have, both have their ideology, and it, it kind of over time it, they become more and more separated. You have an entire half a decade to build that up. Yeah. Now with this though, Batman vs Superman, if this came maybe five years down the road, I think it would have pl- uh, played much better when it Most actually definitely. came yeah. because you're building. Obviously, when you think about Batman and Superman, the ideal ideology between the two, there's a there, in, in the comics and in the cartoon shows, they differ on a lot of things. Oh yeah. And they view things th- view things differently. Batman's one of those characters that. Uh, he may not kill, but he has. He's one of those that he'll push the limit. Oh yeah, definitely. he'll bend but not break. Yeah. Superman is that Boy Scout, that Captain America. He's yeah. basically Captain America. He has this ideology that you know I we shouldn't be killing people. We 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 should need to hold people up to the standard. And those two clash all the time. And what they didn't do was they rushed. What they did was they rushed this movie out without building those two characters up together. On this collective arc, so you don't really necessarily care about either character when they get to that climatic point. Now, Civil War, you're either on one side or the other because you've grown up with this for the past five years, and you're kind of like, okay, well, I'm I could see what he's saying, but I'm over here because I'm more of an ideologist, and people should be inherently good, whereas Iron Man was on the other side was like, well, we need to get regulated and that kind of thing. So that I think tore people apart and had you rooting for one side or the other. Whereas this though, you're kind of like Batman got shoehorned into this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we have one Superman movie before that where we saw him freaking destroy Metropolis. <laughs> and then, and then we have Batman for Superman where Superman is dropped in. You have maybe an hour dedicated to the whole thing. And then you're supposed, and you're supposed to tell me that I'm supposed to be sympathetic toward this character. No, it doesn't work that way. Definitely not. Definitely so not. that was my; those are my biggest problems with the movie and the whole DCEU. Um, it's just that, and with Justice League, they don't necessarily build up the character properly. Oh, yeah. And with Justice League, they've just introduced way too many characters in within a, a small, um, small, I guess, a small time frame. And I think that also has to do with the fact that they changed directors halfway through. And it seemed like a more of a Frankenstein-ish type of movie. It, it feels more as if that we were introduced to the characters all at the same time. Because are you a big fan of the animated, I guess, DC animated universe? Oh, oh because yes. Okay, so Tremendously. That, that Justice League 
it was like the same aspect, right? They all kind of met in the same in the same movie, whereas we didn't have too much information about these characters, but they had one collective goal, right? Mm-hmm. So they all had to character build around each other and be able to feed off each other to understand each other, or else they weren't going to really complete that. I forgot who who were they fighting that first movie. I think it wasn't Doomsday because that's that's the death of Superman mm-hmm. that just came out, right? I think it was uh, if. It, then it had to be apocalypse. Then no, not, uh, 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 dark side. Yeah, dark side. Yeah. So, so I think they all come together for dark. Uh, you know, to defeat dark side or go through all that. But that's like their first, all of their first collective, like them meeting each other. But that was in a different way because it was more as if, all right, we all don't know each other, but we all got to understand where we come from and what we know and what we can do. Now let's put that to action. So with this, it was in a way like, yeah, it can work whenever you do something right. But at the same time, I totally understand what you're saying, because at least with Captain America and Iron Man, we already had our opinions about the character and kind of understood and emotionally grew towards these characters to understand where they coming from. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of understood where Captain America was coming from just because, yeah, we side with you just because, I mean, it'll be kind of messed up if all of us were just online and they just knew all of our information because you're putting everyone else at risk. But when you understand Iron Man's aspect of it, yeah, we all do need to be put in check. We can't be, you know, be held accountable for all these things. Then we're not just easy untouchable because mm-hmm. of all this power that we hold. As for, like you said, with Batman and Superman, it's so hard for you to just kind of get an opinion or grasp uh, where they're coming from on each side. Because, yeah, was was the, the Batman for Superman, the first scene is when Bruce is in Metropolis and he sees all this stuff going on and he saves like a little girl. Mm-hmm. And then from that point on, he's just like, Ooh, <laughs> Superman sucks. He just did all this. Rah, rah, rah. Like, no, man. Like, I mean, that's to me, it wasn't enough. Because whenever you think about it, if anything, if, if Bruce Wayne had his way, he probably would have been helping Superman out and maybe trying to figure out a way to avoid all that, right? Mm-hmm. We're trying to think in retrospect, but to me, it was really hard to kind of grasp their emotions and opinions all, you know, bunched up like that. Mm-hmm. It was really hard to do. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, it, it, it's happened. It's, uh, it's, it's something that we can't really change, but, uh, I, I'm glad that Ben Affleck is kind of getting help, uh, and, and hopefully the universe gets back on the right, I mean, like back on track. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the only real success you had, I mean, uh, in terms of, um, Rotten Tomato, I mean, score wise, was Wonder Woman and maybe, and also Man of Steel. So, um, Aquaman coming out in about, what is it? A month is it November? Uh, Aquaman is December. Okay, it's December. Uh, So in a couple of months, you have Aquaman. So much high hopes for that. I really, I don't. So I'm, I'm tempering my expectations. I I think it's gonna, it'll it'll probably rate where most of the DCEU movies rate around sixty. I think December fourteenth. Yeah, I, I don't think it's gonna be a terrible movie, but I don't think it's gonna be necessarily a like, oh my god, this is amazing. Um, maybe I'm, I'm telling, I'm just telling myself just to, you know, have my expectations down here. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited for Shazam though. Okay. That looks like, the, oh, okay, we're going to do something else. We're going to do completely different. We're going to lighten it up a little bit. And when they said they're going to do like a, a big type of movie, I'm like, oh, okay. I could see it working like a big movie because you have Billy Batson basically turning into an adult. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I could see this. And, and. And if that one lets me down, then I'm going to be bummed. <laughs> no, and that's the thing, too. I'm just glad that people are jumping on board with Shazam just because it's a character that a lot of people don't know unless they're, you know, get into the comics or into the animated movies. Mm-hmm. 
And it is opens up the world to a whole bunch of stuff. Like Magic. we all know about the rock and, and, you know, him being the black Adam character. So that just, you know, is looks, it makes you look forward to the future, but also we want stuff done right with Aquaman. Like whenever I saw black Manta, it made me realize that the power of this movie can really be bigger than what it is because there's never been a black Manta. Maybe even when you think back to justice friends, right? Like back in the day, like was, was it justice friends or super friends, super friends. Super friends. We think back to that Legion of Doom back in the day, like he still held this like some type of power that he looked just aesthetically cool in a way. He mm-hmm. stood out versus all the other villains. When I saw him in the in the trailer for Aquaman, I was like, yo, I never seen maybe on uh Young Justice he looked really cool in that one. But to see it in front of my face and the power that what he can hold, oh man, it looks amazing. And then, of course, Jason Momoa actually looking like a real Aquaman, not being this blonde guy with short hair, you know, actually looking like someone who lives around water. Yeah. That aspect of it also is hyped me up even more, though, mm-hmm. just because he looked more connected to it. And then if you follow him on Instagram, he's the outdoorsiest person that you can probably follow. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a lot of things just make sense and in the right way, because honestly, I was even I was digging Aquaman even in his portrayal in Justice League. Mm-hmm. So the little things really made me like it. So I just have high hopes, but also just like you, like we kind of have to cover our heart a little bit. Just know that we might be heartbroken again, just in case, because we kind of know the MO a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, lastly, uh, the Hellboy, I guess a teaser photo uh, came out uh, with uh, David Harbour being Hellboy. And the man is completely jacked. Uh, and uh, I forget which, I think he was on Colbert. And he said that they asked him if it was actually his body. And he said, yeah, that's 100% me. And I'm like, holy crap. He went from pudgy uh, uh, police officer. He looks nothing like that in Stranger Things, no, right? No, like- he doesn't. <laughs> so I'm guessing when he's shooting uh, Stranger Things, he's going to be pretty jacked up. And like he just he looks amazing. And, and the only thing that's really, I guess, CG is his, the horns on his head. Yeah. Um, I I enjoyed the first uh, first. Hellboy movie. The second one, a little disappointing. A uh, little disappointing to me. Uh, I'm I'm actually excited to see this version of uh, of Hellboy. Um, release date is uh, April twelfth. Yeah, no diss to Guillermo del Toro or also Ron Perlman because I think for the time it did it justice. Right, it mm-hmm. had the right amount of comedy. It had the right amount of I guess edginess just uh-huh. because of uh, the comic book background and everything. And that also was another good way to get people into different comics because it wasn't this big DC name or Marvel mm-hmm. name. It was, you know, a part of something else. So just that aspect alone, it, it made it more a uh, more recognizable brand just by bringing it to the to the big screen. So, of course, like, I, I you know, I definitely give my props where it's due because I think Guillermo del Toro, I think there was a good amount of people that wanted them to kind of keep on doing it, you know, to, to kind of just, I guess, end it off on a good note or make it to where like, Oh, we can just be happy with the way it finishes. But yo, yeah, everything about the, the poster is beautiful. And I do hear that it's going to be way more darker. You'll see a lot more, uh, I guess, violence in it. And I, I never really read any Hellboy comics, but from what I hear, it's definitely way more darker than what you'll usually read. Mm-hmm. And if they can get that aspect right, because is the is the rating up already? Like, is there... I don't think so. Yeah, because so we don't have no confirmation that it's a rated R movie, but at the same time, why would it not make sense that this it, this this entity from hell would be this PG-13 movie? I know Hellboy also, once he's in Earth, 
on earth he likes to you know be more earth-like he likes to be more humane Mm -hmm. and that aspect is totally fine but we also got to remember that he comes from hell like right like uh i think uh one of the synopsis that i read that he's gonna be fighting fighting this enchantress or something like that so we're gonna have all the i guess cgi and you know heavy like fight scenes that you know that will make us happy but also to do justice for the character because i think you know the first interpretation of this movie was good for the time definitely Mm -hmm. but let's dig deeper let's see what we can really you know get out of this character because like i said i that was the thing that to me they didn't really get too much yeah we kind of i think it was like around the second movie when they released that army or whatever like that we kind of understood more of the underworld of of everything that was going on and you know kind of understood more but at the same time like yo like let's utilize hell a little bit more let's let's get into the nitty-gritty when this character is that you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. so I, i'm totally down for the character and yeah hellboy looks sexy as hell like this this, <laughs> this is the way it's supposed to look like yeah. and I, I just wish they did more at ron perlman's uh hellboy just a little bit after seeing what this could look like mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, so before we go, uh, me and Michael were talking, uh, and Michael, I don't know if it was your idea or Michael's idea, but Michael was like, hey, David actually goes to comic book stores. He buys like multiple comics uh, every week, and uh, we should really do like a review session. And I was like, oh, that's a that's a great idea. And so I think starting re- starting when Mike, I think when maybe when Michael comes back, you're going to kind of sit down with him and do like your comic book of the week, that yeah. kind of thing. So, uh, so, uh, so let the people know, uh, I guess more details. Cause I guess I kind of said the details, but <laughs> let them, let them know exactly uh, what you're going to be doing it's still so and good. how many, how often do you go? Uh, well, this is the thing. So I, I'll do as many as I want. So usually when, okay. So Wednesdays are the new comic book day. So, mm-hmm. Uh, I know I have my show on Thursday, so me and Michael will definitely knock out the segment on Thursday when I come in because we'll already know what comic books are coming up, coming out that following week and everything like that. But I think what I really want to get done with this is for the listeners is kind of to know what's going on around them. And, you know, because all these great movies and TV shows and series all have all stem from what this is. So mm-hmm. the more that, you know, you can possibly be engaging with a lot of the stories that are coming out maybe four or five years from now or even and lately it's been a shorter span because we're starting to see a lot of the newer uh, characters are released from either marvel dc at least hidden animated series and stuff like that mm-hmm. so we're starting to see a really big turnaround for a lot of these characters and i'll try to highlight the the biggest the, the biggest names also but still at the same time giving you like maybe a comic book that might be either like i said from image vertigo or uh you know dark horse just like hellboy we, we can, you know, at least gauge you to maybe, you know, read one of those books. And I know uh, Mike sent me the uh, the name of the segment, David Does Comics, <laughs> which is, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure I'll get made fun of that. But also, I was just like, make sure it's something I can easily say because yeah. I was getting tongue tied with comic cast, comic com- this and blah, blah, blah and stuff. So I was like, that's fine. Uh, but that, that's really my main goal for the for the segment is, you know, so at least for the listener to uh, know what's going on and if there's like a big story arc with anything, because as of right now, man, like it's just like balls to the wall right now, especially in the DC world. When you think of Justice League and uh, the Doomsday Clock series that they have going on right now, and they have so many great things. And this is a thing that irritates me with DC is that we just we mentioned about their animated universe. 
when it comes to comic books and everything else that they're doing, they're just knocking it out of the park. Oh, yeah. But we have so much things to say when it comes to their movies and stuff. So it's the thing that really gets me because I'm just like, wow, if y'all just kind of just followed, you know, the the guidelines of the comics, they're right here. And Mm -hmm. you have so many great writers and everything like that. So sometimes it really gets irritating how they can just, you know, just mess that up sometimes, so to speak. But you know, even Marvel too as well. They're doing a lot of good thing where they have as guardians, basically the new guardians of the galaxy right now. And uh, like I said, they're doing a whole bunch of things. Scar- uh, Scarlet Spider's back. Uh, ben Riley's back. So he's going through his old ordeal too because I didn't realize how many times he has died. So now death <laughs> is following him around. And you know, it, it's just so many interesting things that are going around in comics. And you know, if the I think one thing that helped me was this: whenever I started reading comics, I just went from one thing to the other. A lot of things tie in. And I think that's one thing what people will understand, too, is that if I read one comic, it, it maybe mentions something else or another character that their two series just, just collided in this one, you know, and maybe that will make me help uh, pick something else up. So, you know, that that's really my whole thing is as long as, you know, they at least know what's going on out there, know about the good stories that are happening. You might want to just be enticed to go pick one up. Yep. Yep. Uh, tell, tell the people where they can listen to you and where they can follow you and all that sort of good stuff okay yeah so on twitter you can follow me at gacho dominguez that's g-a-c-h-o dominguez uh i'm on thursdays on sb nation radio and here in houston on 94.1 uh 94.1 sports map on the sports kings and queen show uh from seven to nine and if you're eastern time of course that's eight to ten on SB Nation Radio, and that, that, that's as far as I go. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for uh, for you know uh, subbing in for Michael. Uh, Michael's out the next couple of uh, issues. Uh, thank you for. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Oh yeah, me too, yeah. man. This this was fun. Yeah, yeah. And I, I told Mike too. Like anytime y'all need me, man, just just hit me up. I, I'd love to do it. Uh, all this this gets me excited for the things that I follow, and also like I said, like doing the comic uh doing the comic cast with y'all like it really made me brighten my horizons because now i pay way more attention to a lot of the news that's coming mm-hmm. out follow even other podcasts maybe i can get some more information so all of it's helpful especially if you're trying to keep up with everything because mm-hmm. there's so much news about it and uh if, if this is the first issue that you guys are tuning into where have you guys been uh and if it is you can subscribe to us on itunes on spotify on stitcher google play uh, and also you can always listen to us on podcastarena.com backslash comicast this has been issue 118 and you can follow me on twitter i'm at john snow you can follow david on twitter at gacho dominguez and until next time and this is where michael says see, see ya you i'll, I'll give you the luxury of, <laughs> well, of so doing it just, okay. yeah yeah so until next time see ya